Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what? What are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. My good friend, I've worked with Mark a long time. He's a good buddy of mine. Mark Watson Watto. Watto, how are you, mate? Very good, Stephen. Great introduction, by the way. Paradise City. Absolutely <laughs> magnificent. Clearly, a couple of very good producers there, Stephen. Yeah, I, 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 I did have the insight all oh, that maybe that was a favourite song of yours. Uh, how's it going? What? What? what it, just, just a, a quick summary of the year. It, I know it's just. I read a text out about what's been happening in the world for Kiwi athletes. It's not a bad year, twenty twenty one. No, it's not. I mean, how often do you get the Olympic Games in, a, in, you know, every five years, which has been the case. And I think every time Olympics do come around, it's sort of, I think it's a really good opportunity for New Zealand to shine on the international stage. And then, um, and, and so clearly that probably dominated much of the year. But there's been people like Lydia Ko coming back, um, Paul Cole and Squash. I mean, is he not the most underrated athlete in New Zealand mm. sport at the moment? Winning that um, British Open Squash Championship, which is what, what, you know, the equivalent of winning Augusta and golf or winning Wimbledon and tennis. Um, you know, and, and, and it's often these individual athletes that sometimes tend to um, carry this country from a sporting point of view when maybe some of those teams that have carried us to fall over, and it's probably that case this year. <laughs> you just opened the door on the All Blacks. They're those teams that oh, I fall. Did, I did. I uh, there was such an open door. Okay, so for the first time since 2000. The house of cards has come crumbling down, Stephen. The house of cards has come crumbling down. Hey, pal, back the truck up. Hang on, level us. Since 2009, <laughs> the All Blacks lose three tests. And I'm going, so what? Everyone else is crying. I mean, uh, let's be blunt. For you, is it a big deal? It, it needs to be a big deal, Steve. Look, I can understand where you're coming from with that. Is it a big deal? Do we really care? We have to care about the All Blacks because the way New Zealand rugby has set up the game in this country, it has become so top-heavy that we've got... You know, we, we're sort of very nonchalant these days, aren't we, are we around the Mitre 10 car? We're sort of starting to get a little bit sort of carefree and a little bit more around super rugby. And if your favourite team loses, oh, well, you know, they'll always be next week. If we start doing that with the All Blacks, we are in real trouble. And if New Zealand rugby is going to make it very much about the All Blacks, and that is where the resource is going to go, they need to be winning. 
and, and we can't start saying, oh, yeah, the judges on the World Cup. Because all we do, Stephen, then is reduce rugby to once every four years, and that is not a good position to be but, in. But we're in that position so, already. We're in that position already. They, they make it quite clear. We, we work on World Cup cycles. And, and you are quite right in saying the one area they have forgotten completely, and I, I tried to have an argument with a board member, uh, Bailey Mackey, about this, and he didn't bite on it. I said, is it not time to start, you know, rethinking how rugby is looked at in this country and get back to the grassroots and create a better pathway rather, Mark, than having young kids at 15 and 16 jump into academies, not experience club rugby, not have their face ground in the mud by old-timers to teach them how to play. A bit like the old rugby league adage, you know, you come up through the grades and reserve grade. The one grade below first grade is where you learn to, and I know that sounds really old school, you learn to be a bloody man and, and how to take a hit and get on with it. You learn how to play the game and go through adversity. Exactly, and I think that word adversity, Stephen, well summed up. These guys need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And I think one of the big problems, and this is certainly nothing against Sky Television, because I think they do a great job in terms of showing college rugby, and I was lucky enough to do the first two years, and I thought it was a great concept at the time. But if I'm New Zealand rugby now, I would be going to Sky Television saying, Sky, we love what you've done. We didn't realise maybe the fallout, what this might actually end up causing, but I'd say to I'd say to um, the Sky, the broadcast, and say, look, we don't want you broadcasting college rugby anymore. We want you broadcasting club rugby. And I think that would be a big step in terms of maybe addressing some of those issues you've just brought up. Let's make club rugby then the stepping stone to higher honours. Let's not make schoolboy rugby the stepping stone. Here, here, because of these these kids who see themselves on telling, you know what it's like, they get on the Instagram, suddenly they're rock, they think they're rock stars. Then suddenly the world comes crashing down when they're pushed into uh, academies and then super rugby early and you're wondering, why are these kids not performing? Because they haven't actually learned to play rugby properly, right? And that's and that's and that's the crux of the matter. And I just I just wonder why the union doesn't listen. Yeah, and also I think in Auckland too, we tend to have the bigger kids tending to get back, and that tends to, you know, it, let's be honest, the, the Māori Pacific Island kids tend to develop a little bit earlier too, so often it's the bigger kids that get picked in these rep teams because they run through sides. Now, we've all played with those big kids at times, and it is European kids occasionally as well, and the problem is with big kids who dominate, we tend as coaches to gravitate away from them. Oh, this guy's good, he doesn't need any help. But they often end up becoming a little bit one-dimensional because they rely so heavily on their size. Mm. And so when they do sort of suddenly get through to the senior ranks, well, size is no longer their uh, competitive advantage. It's no longer their point of difference. And so they find themselves lost. They find themselves deficient in their skill set. Where you tend to go a little bit further south, you look at the Conrad Smiths, you knew those guys would have to become the complete player to be able to take on the bigger kids. Yep. They never had size, so they had to be smarter. Andrew Merton's another one. And you do wonder whether those kids would have made it, or those players would have ever have made it if they had played their rugby here in Auckland. And so, you know, and if you are going to have rep, um, rugby, look, bring in weight-restricted rep teams and put as much emphasis on them. So under 60 kilograms, uh, under 70 kilograms, so that when these kids maybe mature a little bit later in their teenage years, they're still in the game. They're still an incentive to want to play.
Yeah, look, I don't you know, have, develop the skill set, then build the player season. Completely. I don't have a problem with rugby as such, right? Because at the highest level, it is actually a very cool game to watch. It's it's, it's magnificent to watch. Very the, cool. the, the, the constant flow and the emotion. And I, every time I say that, the Richie McCaw comes to mind. I don't know why. You know, the, the constant man in motion. But rugby clubs are suffering and dying. Uh, unions are, are struggling to put together winter competitions because no one wants to play because that's just the way rugby has gone. So the, there has to be a strong emphasis on club rugby, you know. And and this this ties into more of a lifestyle thing, Mark, because I've been there. I've I used to be a, 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 a what a, 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 a comms manager, you know, for fun for the Melville Rugby Club in Hamilton, right? The mighty the mighty Melville Magic. And the most important thing about that being part of that was the community they are a they are a point where people can come together and be part of a community because that is one thing we are lacking in this country in the modern world now a sense of community where basically you look after each other what's the old line takes a community to you know raise a child no, look, absolutely, Stephen. Uh, really, really well said and really, really well summed up. And the problem now is everything's about money, isn't it? We, we, it's just all Instant about gratification, Mark. It's about instant yeah. gratification and, and, and so in the I, dollar. I think, I, think, I think the Players Association's also had a real impact. I think they're too powerful. I think you've got the tail wagging the dog. I think these players only start to see things through their own eyes and they're almost holding the gun at times to New Zealand rugby's head. And you do, you've got to have, yes, you've got to have top down, but you've got to have bottom up for any sport to thrive, for any sport to be healthy. And we've got to get back to, you said, you've got to get back to taking this game back to the community. But the other issue that they really do need to address, and this is clearly is the concussion issue as well, and there seems to be some work being done in that area, but you still sort of sense at the highest level with the pressure the coaches are under, the pressure on these teams that, you know, going away for a, what do they call it, a um, HIA or yeah. head assessment. Yeah, that's right, HIA. Field. I mean, to me, if a player loses their cognitive ability for five seconds, ten seconds, they should be off yeah, full yeah. stop and shouldn't even play the next week. It is a brain injury, Stephen. And you would not send your kids back out the following week if it was your kids and your wife was sitting next to you. So why do they do it with growing men? Well, I've, I, look, I've suffered a brain injury. You and I have both been inside the square office and you got pretty much pum- pummeled. I got pummeled in my two fights and I've been... I've, I've been well, you, mate, you got pummeled. I, hey, I got flat. I got, I got, I got pummeled in my first turn. It was my third one, which I won. I ended up in the brain injury unit uh, three days later uh, with a potential brain bleed, but it was just thankfully uh, spinal fluid that had popped in my head. But you know, I know what it's like, and and I still suffer the effects of maybe a little bit of short memory loss. Full stop. And that's after three fights of thinking I could box. Anyway, let's move on from the rugger because I wanted to ask you this question: of the Test Championship win and AJ's Patel's ten wickets, what's what is the the most memorable for you? Because we all got pretty excited about that Test Championship win until the tenner. Yeah, interesting one. I think the Test Championship won, because it's in its infancy. I don't think we truly appreciate at the moment. And I don't think world cricket truly appreciates it in those countries that didn't win it. And we saw a little bit of niggle coming from the Australians. Um, So I think that is a tournament that needs some time. It needs a bit of history. It needs an Australia and India to win it to put New Zealand's achievements in context. 
Oh, 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 hang on a minute, hang on. So you're you're saying it's uh, the achievement itself ain't that flash? No, I think it's flash. I just don't think it's truly recognised at the moment because it doesn't have history. Awesome. So, so you're tarnishing a little bit with that statement. <laughs> yeah, look, a little bit. I don't mean to. I don't mean to, but I think that's just natural with sport. It's like sometimes you don't appreciate a moment until 10 years later and you look back and reflect. Sometimes you need time to put a moment in context. Um, but the Patel one, I think, is simply remarkable when you look at the history of the game and, you, and you know, you look at only three players in history have done it. And mm-hmm. cricket is about records, and that is one of the more significant. But what makes it even more remarkable is the fact it was done in India against the Indians. Yeah. Um, and he's not yeah. even qualifying for the Hellbergs. He's outside that, which begs the question, the Hellbergs. Are we done with that? Is it time to reshape how we how we show our appreciation for our athletes in a calendar year? Look, oh, I think so. I think, to me, it should be right up to the 31st of December. I think the problem with the Hellberg Awards is I just don't think there's ever really the level of due diligence done here. I think you can get a lot of... We're all guilty of it at time. You can be on boards, you can be on committees and stuff, and some people are more proactive on certain things than others. Mm-hmm. And I think that, look, we owe it to these athletes. These athletes go out there, they don't need a stone unturned, they're meticulous, um, you're searching for that elusive 1% in performance. And I think when it comes to the Halberg, if we are going to have these awards, we want to get judges who are prepared to go to that level of detail as well and try and gain some understanding of the magnitude of different sports. Because often here, it's really easy just to recognise and jump up and down about those sports that just happen to get the most television coverage here. Now, often those sports, Stephen, are just a little bit sort of world famous here in New Zealand. And where do they really sit that's, on the global stage? That's a very, that's a very good call. World famous in New Zealand. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, we know athletics is big in Europe, but that's pretty much about it as far as I can, I can gather. And, you know, when we're, when we're honouring rock throwers and, you know, and rowers and kayakers and things like that for sports that really don't really... I suppose they're probably not the ones that generate a huge amount of money, right? But as you say, world famous in New Zealand. Am I being unfair? Look, I, I think, you know, like, like I, I, I sort of put the rowing and the kayak happening there on a global stage. And okay. I've only got to go to places like Hungary and stuff and realise just how big a sport it is there. It's almost a national sport, particularly in Eastern Europe. Um, rowing, oh, oh, I you know, it, it's interesting. I worked at the Olympic Games with a gentleman by the name of Martin Cross. Now, Martin um, was doing the rowing in the first week when New Zealand won a lot of medals. And he, he himself was an Olympic champion back in 1980 and 84. And he was just telling me about the sheer amount of money that Great Britain put into their program and how disappointing their Olympic campaign is. But if you actually see the sheer amount of work that is required to become the best in the world in rowing, I will always... I'll always have no problem with our rowers being nominated when it comes to these awards. I'll never have any problem with those individual okay. endurance type athletes because I understand what it requires to get there. And the fact is, really, if you don't perform, you don't get paid, if you get paid at all. Yeah, no, fair play. All right, got to go, but i got two quick, two quick fire questions for you, Mark. Best sporting moment for you this year was... Men's high jump final Tokyo 2020. Oh, that's only because hang, hang on, that's only because you called it on the telly. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, 
Yeah, no, you're right, Stephen. But sport's about emotion. It's about a connection, isn't it? I mean, I turned up to the stadium expecting nothing, and then this thing delivered. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not. Were right, you happy with the result, day. though? Were uh, you happy with a joint gold medal? I think at the time I was, yeah. I was. Yeah, OK. Um, but, uh, taking that aside, I think the men's rally, Nate, probably stands out as, uh, as the, I, I, I think it's yeah. another defining moment in the field sport, clearly along with Carrington's three. Okay, that was good, but no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have taken the Mickey out here because I I watched it too, Mark, and it was fascinating that high jump, uh, and and I thought it was quite an Olympic moment when they shared, and I thought that was a really smart thing, despite what the naysayers would say. All right, your worst sporting moment of the year? Oh, the All Blacks, without a doubt. Yeah, incredibly disappointing. Oh man, no, there's more to bloody life than there's more to life than the All Blacks, man. Come on. You, you tell our media that. You tell you tell New Zealand rugby that. They're the ones that have completely gone and utterly bastardised the game as we've already talked about, Stephen. And if you're going to do that, and if you're going to look at that top heavy, you win. And if you don't win, then there should be some consequences. Live by the sword, die by the sword, baby. So top heavy, Stephen. And <laughs> in the process of making it so top heavy, they have killed the game. So therefore, they must win. Therefore, they are the disappointment of the year for me. Good man. Happy Christmas, mate. You're welcome. You enjoy yourself, Stephen. <laughs> you too. 11, mate. You should be on League on Sky. Yeah, well, that's just how life goes, buddy. I appreciate the thought. Thanks, mate. It's 11.19. Mark Watson, he'll be back on the radio, I think, on the 2nd of January here on SENZ. Do not be afraid to ring Mark because he is worth the chat.